welcome to Charity Chats. I'm your host, Samuel Davies. In this episode, I speak with Alan Lally Francis from Akivo and Catherine Mahoney from CAF about the recent Charity Landscape Report. This is a report that CAF, the Charities Aid Foundation, does each year and comprises of research done with charity leaders to assess the challenges that the sector is facing and how the sector can meet the needs of beneficiaries. This is an enlightening and engaging episode on a topic that many of us will be thinking about and seeing from our own personal points of view, largely dependent on the roles that we have and the charities we work with or support. There are certainly some interesting and concerning themes here. We did record this a couple of weeks ago and our conversation about the Charity Commission Chair has now been moved on, but I will refer back to this at the end. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our Platinum sponsor, Work for Good. Work for Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good. Through their fundraising platform, they offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses, including founders, owners and sole traders, who want to make an impact for charities through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.co.uk. So without further ado, here is Alan Lally Francis and Catherine Mahoney speaking about the Charity Landscape Report. I'm delighted to be joined for this episode of Charity Chat by friend of the show, I think it's fair to say, Catherine Mahoney. Catherine's back. Catherine Mahoney is the research manager at Charities Aid Foundation. Hello, Catherine. Welcome back. Hi. Hi, Sam. Thank you. Nice to be back. And we're joined today by, I hope, a new friend of the show, Alan Lally Francis, Head of Influencing at Akiva. Hello, Alan. Welcome to Charity Chat. Hi, Sam. Uh, Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, Hi, Catherine. We're delighted to have you both here. And today we're going to be talking about the charity landscape report maybe Catherine if I can start with you what is the charity landscape report and how has this come together to represent the real world experiences of charities across our sector so this is a a long-running report that we've worked on with Akivo which looks at the views of of charity leaders we run the survey every year and we've got quite an engaged audience so we've got um over 700 uh charity leaders talking to us in this latest report Um, And it's really just a high level look across the sector at some of the strategic issues that charity leaders are are facing at the moment. So we ask questions about optimism uh, for their charity, how they feel about um, the sector overall, uh, the sorts of challenges they're facing, whether demand has increased and the sorts of activities that they've been doing as well. So whether they've been diversifying their income or maybe collaborating with other other organisations. So yeah, we, we run the survey with um, with Akivo, and it also underpins um, Akivo's Pay and Equalities survey as well. Uh, but in the the charity landscape report, this latest one that we've done, we found that financial stability is the number one key challenge coming out for charity leaders at the moment, which I don't think will be a surprise to anybody. Um, and actually, we've done, we've just done a separate piece of research with charity trustees, and that sort of financial resilience theme came out really strongly with them as well. And, and it didn't seem to matter whether the charities were very stable in their income. It seems to be um, concerning everybody sort of right across the board. I suppose if charities are feeling kind of um, happy where they currently are, that's is, presumably that's very into their kind of reserves policy and, and things like that and partnerships and all that kind of stuff, I guess. 
Yeah, I think it is linked into all of those um, into all of those things. I mean, we did find um, that sort of having a, a good network across the sector seems to make charities more confident, mm. um, which I think is important to know. I mean, it's interesting what you mentioned about reserves, actually. This latest survey, we did find that a fifth of charities were planning to use their reserves to cover wow. income shortfalls rather than, you know, investing in things, mm. um, things, which is obviously quite a concern. And that was twice as many as in 2019. Yeah. Um, so you know, clearly there is a, a cohort of charities that are really struggling on that. The second biggest challenge was around increased demand. Um, so, yeah, we've got this sort of dual impact, I guess, funding pressures at the same time that there is this increased demand. And of course, many charities um, are also trying to undergo lots of transformation at the same time, which is um, sucking up a lot of resource as well. So it sounds like a bit of a bleak picture. Well, yes and no. I mean, the charity leaders were generally quite optimistic about their own organisation. They were less optimistic about the sector, which I think is quite interesting. There's a bit of a disconnect there. But yes, I mean, we found that optimism was generally lowest amongst the smaller charities. The charities with an income under a million were less optimistic. We found that um, most of them had invested in tech Mm -hmm. um, that first year of the pandemic. But again, that was more likely if they were a larger charity. Do you get a sense from the research that you've been doing that, that those people that have responded to it, so you're saying about 700 have responded to it, so there's a big number of, of um, organisations represented there. Do you get any kind of sense that, that part of that desire to respond to those questions is almost a case of kind of a personal offloading of stress and pressure? I mean, I know that there's a, I mean, we probably all feel it to a, a degree, uh, working in the sector, a sense of... Um, uh, kind of tiredness and and you know kind of a worry that comes from all of these not just COVID but all the world around us you know is there a sense of people taking the opportunity to respond to that research and, and would that in any way skew um, the you know those people that are completely happy and joyful about the coming year I don't know if they exist um, maybe they think I'm not going to bother responding to this we're fine well that's quite true that might well be possible um, we 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 started running some charity polling, pulse polling, we were calling it, um, just very regularly throughout the pandemic, starting at the end of March 2020. Um, and there were very short polls with just as many charities who would answer. And we were surprised at the response we got. And it was very much about COVID. And I, I do think there was this sort of like, oh, somebody's actually asking me about what I'm worried about. So I'm just mm -hmm. going to kind of get it all out there. So I, I wouldn't be at all surprised um, yeah, if, if, there was, if there was some of that. And especially, you know, people are, are still working at home alone, right? So maybe there isn't, maybe you don't have the colleague to just sort of turn around and say, I'm saying a bit, I'm a bit concerned about this. So perhaps people like quite like that opportunity to tell us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But it's, it's a great response. Was, is that kind of level of response what you would expect of a, 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 a survey like this? I think it's higher than it has ever been before. It's usually around 400 and something people. Wow, okay. But they were definitely more interested in taking it. Yeah. <laughs> Alan, so you're, you're at Akiva, and that's Association of Chief Executives of Voluntary Organisations. I know the work of Akiva, you do a lot of work um, working with the leaders of these organisations. What role did Akiva play in this report, and how does this reflect the work that you've been doing over the past two years? Yeah, um, 
I, I guess as part of this report, um, as Catherine mentioned, Akiva runs its pay and equality survey. So that's alongside our friends at CAF. And yeah, you mentioned Catherine being a friend of the podcast. She is definitely a friend of Akiva's, but we won't be trying to steal each other's friends at this stage, I don't think. <laughs> All um, friends here. <laughs> yeah. And then the pay and equality survey is produced also with Akiva's two sister organisations in Scotland and Northern Ireland. Um, they're called ACOSFO and CO3. And it's a great example of cross-sector collaboration. Um, the survey itself is, a, is the most comprehensive breakdown of the sector CEO remuneration packages available. So it examines chief executive salaries, benefits and job satisfactions in more detail. Um, it also explores the level of quality and diversity in our sector's leadership, uh, a quite a pressing issue in the last couple of years or so, if not longer. Um, but also the satisfaction levels in the makeup and performance of, of their boards. Um, in terms of responses, we had over a thousand responses. And in terms of um, how CAF's landscape report reflects our work, um, I, I think in, in, in a variety of areas, I mean, if we just take that first recommendation in the report for charities, which states that charities need to have resilience measures such as governance and leadership, digital transformation and self-development. I mean, this recommendation directly echoes what Akiva has been advising our members over the last couple of years. And most of these were issues, uh, Sam, that were happening before the pandemic. Uh, the pandemic simply made the need to address them even more acute. Um, so if we take governance, um, for example, um, our pay and equality survey showed that, you know, some of these measures had been reduced actually for, for sector uh, CEOs. Um, so for example, a steep increase in the number of CEOs not having a formal salary review and few having uh, any personal development plans. Um, there were positives, though, however, like, you know, including the amount of charity leaders feeling board support for their well-being. Um, and despite all the challenges, eight out of 10 leaders still recommending a career in the sector. And uh, I, I guess finally, just quickly on um, EDI, like, you know, we were very pleased um, that um, there's been a rise in awareness of these issues among CEOs is something that we at Akiva and I know many other organisations have been actively working on and making central as part of our work. Though with the rise of awareness, you know, I think sector CEOs perhaps didn't feel that this was reflected on their boards, but have plans to address this over the course of the next year. And this is something we at Akiva certainly would uh, be encouraging. Fantastic. Yeah, and I know on the podcast we've spoken to Charity So White and we've talked about things like uh, EDI a fair bit and, and kind of Black Lives Matter and the impact that that these kind of campaigns and the work that, that Black Lives Matter did over the last two years. And so we, we there's this kind of tangible sense of EDI kind of bring coming in more and uh, equality kind of measures being, being introduced. And as you say, I suppose the time will tell how those are being implemented and how effective those are being um because of course we're still uh, as a as a sector we're still uh, not truly representative are we um so that's something that hopefully is is going to continue do you get the sense from your your members um your kivo members then that obviously this this report is talking about there's a lot of concern i think is Maybe that's not too strong a word to use um, from those that responded to the, the questions in that survey. And do you, does that tally them with what the kind of the conversations you've been having with, with your members? Yes, exactly. I mean, the report speaks of kind of challenges with government, particularly in England, more so, I would say, than kind of other nations. Um, the differences in the size of organisations, you know, mm. Catherine mentioned smaller organisations 
you know, seeming a bit more vulnerable. Um, governance, digital resilience, yeah. And, you know, Kiva has a, a kind of almost like a focal point or a, 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 a membership organization that can provide a platform. Um, we hear these quite a lot. Um, we do something called CEOs in crisis and we're hoping CEOs won't have to use it too much. But again, particularly in the last couple of years, um, uh, just a place where sector leaders with all the issues they've had to contend with at the best of times are slowing during the pandemic, um, place for them to support. But yeah, we've been hearing this kind of anecdotally and, and kind of more formally as well through our kind of uh, different channels. Because, I mean, there's that old adage, isn't there? That it's lonely at the top. And I guess that a lot of the people that Akiva are talking with are those leaders. And I suppose, you know, I know we, we've talked on the podcast about the fact that we're all leaders in, in some way, but when you're a CEO or a director or something and you're, that the pressure must be acute, um, especially over the last couple of years with the, the changing world that we've been living in. And do you get a sense in terms of resilience, do you get a sense that there are sufficient kind of resources out there to, to help those, those leaders and, and maybe more widely uh, people to be, to be more resilient in the sector? Yeah, I think so. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if I should say this, but yeah, I, you know, maybe it's the arrogance of youth I remember like, looking at leaders and kind of being like oh I can't be better at their jobs or this is what I would do if I was in charge then as you just progress slightly it becomes lonelier you yeah 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 you have to make uh, that people don't know and I think perhaps it's not talked about enough in the sector I think um I think we're quite hard on our leaders and I think um we we need to hold them to account and there needs to be transparency accountability but we also just need to be a bit kind and mm. realize that people are trying to do the best they can and not all but you know many um and surely it's a risk if we're not supporting them providing them with the adequate support uh, mm. support for them mm. to enable them to make the decisions I think mental health and well-being is something that you know has come out of kind of this landscape report, but also I think generally we're all talking about it a bit more. And mm. I think um, there's still a lot of vulnerability with mental health and, and well-being and stuff and people feeling like they can talk about it. I And I think um, the more that's normalised, the more that we kind of remind ourselves that leaders throughout all levels of the organisation are just humans and they can do so much <laughs> by themselves and we all need to pitch in together. And, and Catherine, what should uh, charities take from this report and how can this compendium of experiences help them to plan their way out of the very difficult circumstances that they may find themselves in? Yeah, I think what really struck me um, looking at this report, but also across all of the other research we've done really, is that, you know, most charities are kind of in the same boat really so you're definitely not alone I think that's worth bearing in mind um, I think it's about investing in those resilience uh, measures that Alan's mentioned um, it's about talking to funders about that resilience as well as a core theme you know and explaining how you might be needing to um, change the way you operate I think I think there's probably a view that going digital might be cheaper than perhaps the old ways but actually you know to do digital right it's probably more expensive um so you might need to talk to your funders about that mm. i think you know spend some time examining how the fundraising landscape is changing um and you know what, what sort of rise in digital fundraising uh, might mean for your charity and really just to sort of reach out for support as we were just alluding to uh, a few moments ago you know it's about building those those networks if you, can, you know wherever you can really 
And Alan, what learnings will Akivo be taking from this report and how you work with leaders in the sector? Yeah, I totally agree with what Catherine said about reaching out for support, uh, which is right. Um, so I think part of this is just continuing collaboration across the sector. Um, not only is it good practice to reflect at the best of times to share resources and learn, but it's almost vital in a time where resources and finance are under strain. And as I mentioned, you know, Akivo can act as a focal point that helps bring charities of all sizes. You know, we mentioned the differences between smaller and larger charities um, to provide those help learning resources, but also just support um, and help charity leaders better navigate the challenges, whether like the ones in the report mentioned with government uh, or providing opportunities to collaborate. Um, and then I think by creating a platform for where lead for leaders, we can help them make the most of the opportunities in these difficult times. Um, I think the report also kind of touched on kind of leveling up as one of the recommendations and the important role that civil society can play in that. And so Kiva and our infrastructure partners in the civil society group are actively working with government to help shape the leveling up agenda following the white paper um, a couple of months ago. Um, and this reflects a vital role charities and social enterprises play in achieving kind of the much needed positive outcomes and uh, for communities across the country. And then, yeah, digital um, fundraising, you know, I was kind of at the fundraising regulators strategy report, uh, report launch, sorry, and they mentioned the same things, you know, about the move to kind of digital fundraising and you know crowd funders and so kind of echoes a lot of what's what's in this report but also working with the charity commission to make sure any regulation in these areas mm. um, is proportionate and kind of can provide adequate support for leaders to action the change that's needed it'll be interesting to see kind of how the charity commission maybe uh provides more support for the sector so maybe while you're thinking, since you touched on the Charity Commission Chair, yeah, um, the government's um, kind of nominated their preferred candidate. The first process didn't go too well. Um, yes. Orlando Fraser, his name is. Um, ourselves and CVOs and kind of many other partners have kind of called for certain principles to be followed and upheld, particularly around political independence and uh, the process. Ideally, it would have been rerun. Um, I mean, the next stages, they need to go and be scrutinised by the kind of parliamentary and by MPs um, so I mean we've, we've released a statement on it so perhaps uh, people can, can kind of have a look at that for a second but yeah kind of a couple of concerns but you know as you say um, we look forward to working with them um, it's, it's much needed I think particularly with kind of bad experience in the past so um, kind of about looking to the future now and kind of supporting each other and the work we need to do and, and with with the leveling up agenda so we spoke about this on the podcast a few episodes ago and i think the there, there are a few things that came out of that conversation about um the place of the sector in terms of if they're sitting around the table now those that are making the decisions about the leveling up agenda now is the time for the sector to really be banging the drum and making noise about the issues that they are at the uh, the front of you know seeing a kind of front line of um, so, with, and, and also this, this point around um, that the levelling up agenda, if that is about, um, to an extent, equality, diversity, inclusion as well, isn't it? And, uh, and that the, the charities or charities around the, the country need to be thinking about that in terms of maybe how their future strategies are being built over the coming years. 
Is that is that what Akivo are kind of looking at as well? Those types of issues. Yes, I think so. I think you know, uh, leveling up, being left behind means certain things to different communities, and I think it in some ways it's unhelpful. Uh, it's it's been pitched north against south. You know, I mean, I'm from Tower Hamlets, like you know, has the highest rate of child poverty, mm. but uh, they're left left being left behind can intersect between culture and gender and class and all these yeah. things. So um, yeah, I, I kind of was at a leveling up meeting made similar points um you know the commitments have been made and i think we're being asked to kind of help put with the solutions now ideally kind of we've had a bit more time to kind of um input but um that's what we're doing now um and um i think yeah you're right about the kind of um, uh, ensuring that the voice is heard even in the tables around our, our kind of representative um, you know we mentioned smaller charities bigger charities place-based charities um, sometimes there has been maybe criticism that some of the bigger charities, how much are they in their communities as opposed to the smaller ones? So we just need to make sure we, we don't fall into the trap kind of with, with all that and, and ensure we're speaking kind of um, with the communities, not for, I think. And, and Catherine, are you having these conversations at CAF as well around um, contributing to the levelling up conversation? Yeah, I mean, our, our policy team um, are having conversations about levelling up and we're going to be shortly doing a piece of research about that, actually, um, with the charity's audience, sort of asking them about whether they understand the levelling up agenda and what they think it might mean for their charity and sort of how they're going to be getting involved. So mm. um, hopefully we'll be putting out a paper in uh, just a few months time around that so yeah look out for that one and so um Catherine and Alan to what extent does this report highlight the challenges and the opportunities for charities in our sector to deliver for their beneficiaries over the coming months and years uh sure I mean there are lots of challenges aren't there there are, there are plenty and I mean particularly you know most immediately I think the cost of living crisis which is really starting to bite um mm. for everybody now uh, you know, it's going to be bad for charities themselves. I mean, we've had churches, for example, say, you know, their heating bills were already through the roof before all the letters just recently went out, <laughs> putting them up again, because of course the, well, the windows had to be open all winter and um, the heating at the same time and everything else. Obviously a lot of charity beneficiaries are going to be finding themselves impacted. Um, you know, it's probably going to mean it's more difficult for charities to take risks because they're going to have to look really at every single penny that they're spending now. And I guess this is coming at just that sort of same time, as I mentioned, that lots of charities are undergoing a, a transform, a digital transformation or other kind of transformation um, in response to, to what's happened in the last couple of years. And what about you, Alan? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think cost of living is kind of quite central and it just adds to the difficulties that I think um, individuals around the country and uh, charities will have to respond to and kind of mm. divert other resources to that. Um, yeah, I think um, I think we've made the point around um, just being mindful of the different experiences, different charities and smaller charities who, particularly under one million income, like their kind of survival, uh, whether they're able to, you know, people have been asked to do more <laughs> with less. Um, and so we at Kivo, CAF and other infrastructure bodies can support them um, where possible. Um, and again, 
talk about our experience collectively, yes, but also the differences within that as well. Um, I think, uh, kind of as mentioned, I think the pandemic accelerated a trend uh, that was ongoing before the pandemic with public services, so the NHS education system, and that includes the work being done by charities um, and perhaps you know it's growing faster than the number of professionals who can even deliver that you know we talk about doing more with less so i think um, this that that's an obvious ongoing challenge um, and that can trickle down to uh, our ability to serve beneficiaries as effectively as possible which we continue to do but in terms of a challenge that that is one um, so i think in this regard you know, always think what are solutions <laughs> um, the government can help uh, you know um, charities should be recognised as key public service providers by government. Um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about levelling up, you know, they know the role we play, they've highlighted it, but I think it needs to be costed and financed and resourced as well to deliver. Um, you know, we talk about data and, and that's important, but <laughs> we have some of it already. We just need some of the financial resource to enable it. Is there a sense that if, if there's any optimism to be had here, that actually with so many people recognizing that uh, there is an increased need and so many more people are in need, both in, you know, regardless of, of income levels, I suppose, to an extent, that there might be some more empathy and maybe that could be converted into support in the medium term for causes in the same way that we might have seen as a kind of a microcosm in terms of the initial um, impact of COVID in the campaigns that were had around that. I mean, from my side, I think, you know, COVID in particular has really um, kind of shown the strength of the sector. I think, so charity leaders, you know, said they felt there was more support from the public and the public seems to have supported them more. So we saw donation levels going up. We talked about that before, Sam. And and trust um, also increased. There was a sustained increase in trust over the last couple of years as well in the sector. So I, th I think there are definitely points of optimism to take away from what's mm. been happening. Well, obviously it's been very challenging for everybody. Obviously a few years ago, public trust of charities was, or mistrust, sorry, was a bit mm. higher than it historically had been. But I think that's going to be an ongoing issue actually. Um, and I think, you know, we talked about EDI and charities a bit more under the lens in the way uh, kind of, uh, some people say maybe should be <laughs> like mm -hmm. we need to lead from the front on all these issues right mm -hmm. um but yes I, I do see you know it's kind of um during the pandemic like you know uh, and research has shown that people have really seen charities in a more positive light and they've a lot of them have had to use charity services in the way they hadn't before mm. um and i think that's nice to see uh, i'm hoping human nature <laughs> my maybe cynical predisposition doesn't mean that we forget so easily as well and go kind of revert to type but I think I think there is just generally a more of a proactive need for charities to almost like having to prove themselves as well which mm. which kind of takes on extra work and capacity and just not be complacent with our work as kind of frontline providers um but um that's that's kind of a job that you know hopefully we can do quite well absolutely just on that trust issue, it's quite interesting. We've just um, seen a, a significant decrease in trust in the sector over the last four weeks. Oh, in really? I think there's also like, um, you know, charities have evolved, haven't they? Like we talked a lot about the need for smaller charities. And, you know, you have big charities now, like bigger entities as well. 
you know, I wouldn't say it's quite corporate, but, you know, they have become more professional outfits. And I think there is now more of a need just to kind of having to follow those kind of governance procedures and not prove themselves, but kind of um, do their due diligence and have those high standards. And I think also, like, going back to human nature, I think we're more disappointed when it's the people that we hope are doing a bit better don't. So the politicians who legislate for us, then they're not following it. (laughs) Or charities who are supposed to be like the good guys who who kind of aren't doing it. I think there's an extra annoyance perhaps of Mm. of that. Um, So I think think we're all realising that kind of the the landscape (laughs) kind of maybe has, has, has shifted a little bit and we perhaps just need to do more in certain areas and, and not 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 be too complacent but i think it's all it's all good good guidance really for those in the sector that are really driving kind of for a step change in how we're perceived and how we're scrutinized and how we live up to that scrutiny really and uh, yeah i mean maybe that's something we can kind of charge ourselves up with recognizing that there is more need than ever and that we're all more needed than ever Catherine mahoney Alan Lally Francis, thank you for joining us for Charity Chat. Thank you very much for having us. Nice to be here. Thank you, Sam. It's a pleasure. A big thank you then to Alan Lally Francis and Catherine Mahoney for contributing to Charity Chat. There are clearly lots of challenges facing the charity sector at the moment. The COVID pandemic which still continues to haunt us, is now compounded by the rising cost of living, inequality and a dip and possibly a downward trend of public trust in charities. So what can we do about it? Well, this will be a question that Charity Chat hopes to help answer over the coming difficult months and possibly years. Perhaps the challenges that so many people face at the moment will lead to a greater level of empathy across our society. Perhaps we'll see a backlash to growing inequalities that we have touched on in previous episodes of this podcast. Perhaps we will see a U-turn in the recent downturn in public trust. And with a new Charity Commission chair, perhaps we will have a new era, a positive era for the sector. I don't know. The one thing that seems most likely is that the sector will be more needed than ever. I hope that those working harder than ever with less resource than before, perhaps that's you, will take some solace, encouragement and empowerment from hearing how so many others are continuing to fight the good fight, stand up for the growing population of those in dire need and doing what they can to help right the ship. These are not easy times, but as the old adage goes, if you're going through hell, keep going. And we hope that we can help in this by bringing voices together from across our diverse, passionate and dynamic charity sector. So thank you, dear listener, for getting this far with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode and continue to enjoy the podcast. We'd love to hear either way. It's just left for me to thank our corporate sponsors. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Work for Good. Work for Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good. Through their fundraising platform, they offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses, including founders, owners and sole traders, who want to make an impact for charities through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.co.uk. I'd also like to thank Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit, Magda Axmit, for our beautiful website. Check it out 
at charitychat.org.uk. And of course, Forest of Fools for playing throughout the show and for playing us out right now. That's it from me. Keep on doing what you can. Speak to you soon. Cheerio. Bye-bye.